Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. A report from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch revealed that thousands of Social Security numbers of Missouri school employees were vulnerable on pages of a state website. Though the paper alerted the state of the security risk, Governor Mike Parson is now going after the reporter and the Post-Dispatch, launching a criminal investigation of their actions. On this episode of Politically Speaking, I talked to Missouri Representative Ashley Oni about the security risk, Parson's reaction, and a cybersecurity commission bill that she helped create and pass during the 2021 legislative session, but has seen zero further actions since Parson signed it into law back in July. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. Welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, State House and Politics reporter Sarah Kellogg, going solo today, but joining us via Zoom in her home office, she's the representative for the 14th District covering parts of Platt and Clay County. Ashley Ani. And Representative Ani, this is your first time on the show. So first of all, welcome. I hope I don't scare you from coming on the show in a future appearance. Uh, but for our listeners, I'd love to talk about you if you want to give a short bio, why you decided to get into politics and, and talk about your district a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I ran for office um, for the first time in 2020. Um, I decided to run for office and file a few days before the state locked down for COVID uh, in March of 2020. So uh, I spent most of my campaign from, um, you know, campaigning from behind a computer, which was an interesting experience. But um, the reason I got into politics is I have a background in, in marketing and advertising. I'm a writer um, and I, I started getting involved politically uh, pretty early. Uh, I volunteered on a lot of campaigns, um, either all, in, including in, in Missouri, Kansas, uh, Iowa, uh, presidential, senatorial, um, congressional, all sorts of things. I knocked doors and I found that I really enjoyed uh, getting out and talking to voters like that. So uh, when I moved to the Northland, I decided to get more involved with groups like Moms Demand Action and Northland Progress. And I realized that um, I could potentially use my, my skills and my background in marketing to help candidates um, and, and causes that I believed in. Uh, and shortly after that, I realized that uh, my state representative was not seeking re-election. And it was suggested to me that I throw my name in the in the hat. And so I, I did. And, um, you know, I, it was a really interesting experience. Um, I, I ran to represent a very 50, 50 district. Um, the previous representative, uh, flipped this district from red to blue in 2018 by just 85 votes. So, uh, I knew that I had, uh, an uphill battle, but I held onto the seat by seven and a half points. Um, I really do believe that the demographics in the Northland of Kansas city are shifting very rapidly. In fact, the census data has showed us that, um, I have, uh, one of the, the largest growth, um, 
percentages of all the districts in the state. So we grew by 25% uh, and uh, redistricting should be interesting. <laughs> and you have one session under your belt now. And, you know, how was it? What are some general thoughts on being kind of, you know, a new newer member of the House? So I tell people a lot that this is the uh, toughest, uh, scariest, but most incredible job I've ever had. Um, the, the challenges are enormous. Uh, but the rewards are also enormous. Uh, and, you know, I, I get to do a job where I, I help people. And that's really uh, how I, I look at this. So whether or not I can bring home a ton of legislative wins, uh, what I can do is connect my constituents with their state government uh, and make sure that they are being listened to and, um, you know, taken care of in that way. Uh, as a freshman in the super minority, I can tell you that uh, being in the legislature is a really interesting experience. Um, it's just nothing like I've ever experienced before. It, it's, again, very challenging. Um, and people describe the experience as trying to drink from a water hose or a fire hose. And I think that that's exactly, exactly what it is. Um, I've just learned so, so much and there's still so much to learn. Uh, so I'm just, I'm grateful for every day I have, I can go down there and, and learn more and, and fight to, to do better in Missouri. And, and also I, I noticed on Twitter that you have you know, being in radio pronounces or everything, you have an excellent pronouncer in your Twitter bio, which is Ani Like Pawnee, which I can only assume is a Parks and Rec reference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Truly excellent. <laughs> like, I, I, we don't have time to geek out about that because uh, we have a podcast to get to. So thank you for coming on the show. I'm excited to dig into this week's primary topic, which is a little more timely than maybe it would be if we spoke a few weeks early about it, which is cybersecurity in Missouri. So as a freshman, you worked on a bill which did become law centered around creating a cybersecurity commission. And so kind of tell me a little bit about it. What is it? What does it do? Yeah. So as soon as I got into the legislature, I was immediately curious about uh, the state of Missouri's cybersecurity. Uh, and the reason for that is that my husband actually works in the field. Um, he spent 10 years in the Air Force and um, he now works in cybersecurity. And so that's just something that I hear a lot about in my own home. So I was curious. And after some digging, um, I learned that while the Office of Administration is really proud of the state's award-winning cybersecurity, um, our technical infrastructure is a little dilapidated. Uh, and I became increasingly concerned that Missouri simply wasn't doing enough to protect the vital infrastructure uh, against cyber attacks. So, um, you know, I I partnered with a Republican to write this bill uh, because we just didn't know what we didn't know. Um, after we did some some um, some digging, like I said, we asked a lot of questions, held some meetings, and still felt like there was just a lot of a lot of information that that we we didn't have. And so um, our idea was to create a uh, commission of both public and private stakeholders to identify risk and vulnerability from cyber attacks of critical infrastructure in Missouri, um, and also advising the governor on these matters. Um, the the commission is uh, going to include eight members appointed by the governor, uh, one from each congressional district, uh, from members of both parties. Um, 
the Missouri State CIO uh, and a representative from the Highway Patrol, the State Emergency Management Agency, and Missouri National Guard. So all these people are really supposed to be coming together, um, you know, soliciting data from state agencies and political subdivisions of the state, as well as public institutions of higher education and public schools um, in regards to cybersecurity. And then they're supposed to really be making recommendations to reduce the state's risk of cyber attack and identify best practices as well. And you know, as you mentioned, this was a bipartisan effort. You know, why do you think that was? What are some opportunities for bipartisanship in terms of, of tech security? Absolutely. Yeah, this was bipartisan. And, you know, I think that security is a bipartisan issue. Uh, I, I think keeping our, our state's uh, cyber infrastructure secure uh, should not be red or blue, right or left. Um, it's, it's just matter of fact. And um, you know, I, I expressed my interest in this bill uh, to a few Republicans and, um, you know, several people agreed that this is something we should learn more about and we should be focused on. And I think one of the things that um, has really helped is that this new freshman class of legislators has some younger folks in it, including myself. And, uh, you know, it's it's made up of, our legislature is increasingly made up of people who better understand this technology and the threats that we face as a state. And so, um, you know, all of those things combined uh, really made this a really a no-brainer for a bipartisan bill. So this commission, you know, this proposal ended up being kind of attached to a different bill than the one that was initially introduced. And, and it all you know, with the new bill that when the governor did end up signing, they all address issues around public safety. And, you know, boat docks was mentioned, vehicle safety inspections. So, you know, how does cybersecurity fit in with all of this, with, you know, the idea of public safety? Right. So uh, when we were trying to find a what we call a vehicle for this bill uh, towards the end of session, when we realized that there was going to be uh, a lot of omnibus bills like there are every session, um, we were looking for something that made sense for this piece of legislation and public uh, safety really, um, really hit the nail on the head for us. And, and the reason for that is that uh, keeping public information secure is one of the biggest jobs of our uh, cybersecurity program. Uh, we store so much vital data in the state, whether it's um, in our education uh, system, uh, for healthcare, for Medicaid. Um, you know, we have people's personal identifying information uh, stored all across the state. And again, um, I don't believe that our, our infrastructure is as up to date as it should be. Uh, so you know, it, it's really, um, it's crucial that we look at this from a public safety perspective and uh, realize that this uh, cybersecurity affects everybody. And what has the progress been on this commission so far? The governor signed the bill in July. And and there hasn't been any progress since? Not that I'm aware of. And, and why do you think this is? My understanding is that this was not a priority for the governor's office from the moment we brought it up to them. Unfortunately, um, I genuinely believe we were sort of, um, I'm not going to say laughed out of the room because they were generous enough to take the meeting with us and, and um, provide information. And, um, you know, mostly the governor's office was pretty great to work with in that sense. Um, but we did get the impression um, as the session wore on that the governor's office did not anticipate our bill moving anywhere. They did not anticipate it passing, certainly. Uh, and once it did pass, uh, 
it was treated almost as an afterthought or a, something that they could just brush off. And I think it's pretty clear now that we now more than ever, we need to be investing in this and investing in our state cybersecurity and really understanding where our vulnerabilities are so we can prevent future attacks. And uh, you provided an excellent segue for me. So uh, thank you. So the signing of this law was back in July. You know, let's fast forward now to just last week, which is the reason why we're talking about cybersecurity at the moment. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch published a story last Wednesday about pages on the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education's website and where the Social Security numbers of thousands of teachers were vulnerable. You know, what did you think about this investigation? You know, are you surprised about these vulnerabilities? I'm not surprised. I will say I'm pretty shocked at how readily available this information was. Um, the data was literally in the website's source code, um, which made it essentially one right click away from being accessed at any time by anybody. Um, you know, honestly, the state is lucky that the person who brought this to their attention wasn't a bad actor. And um, what really scares me is that we don't know who has access to this information because it was available in the source code. Um, this isn't something that we can go in, or when I say we, I, I guess I should say experts can go in and uh, you know, look to see if if this information um, was leaked previously. Um, truly, the state needs to treat it as if um, it was leaked. And frankly, um, you know, they should be providing identity theft protection to everyone who has been um, harmed by this. Do you think this is an isolated incident or would you be surprised if, if it was found out that other areas of Missouri's web infrastructure was was vulnerable? I really hope it's an isolated incident. Um, would it surprise me if we found out other state agencies have vulnerabilities on their websites? Absolutely not, no. Um, what I do hope is that the Cybersecurity Commission um, will be something that can identify those risks and uh, advise the governor on how to avoid future risk. And you know, do you feel that Internet services, internet security, you know, is a priority in Missouri. What needs to change? Absolutely. I think it's a, it's an increasing priority across the country. Uh, you know, a lot of people will speculate that the future of um, our, you know, nations fighting one another will be in the cyberspace. It won't necessarily be um, physical wars the way we uh, have traditionally seen them. And I think that that's already happening. We've seen um, nation states and bad actors coming in, trying to mess with our elections, trying to mess with, um, infiltrate our social media and, you know, change the narrative around politics in our country. Um, it's really scary. And I think that, we have to be uh, paying really close attention and we have to be addressing this from a state perspective because the federal government can do so much, but our state government is in charge of a lot of data, like I said previously, and it's just really important that, that we um, focus on it. So, you know, it, and it feels like this incident is just kind of proof of a need of a commission like this, like the one you proposed, yeah? Absolutely. I think that this is uh, exhibit A of why we need this and why the governor should act quickly to fill the commission. So that was the investigation. But then Governor Mike Parson's reaction to the Post-Dispatch story, which was to vow for criminal prosecution of the reporter, possibly the Post, you know, that created more headlines. So you know, what do you think of his reaction? Why do you think he reacted this way? 
You know, my perspective of the governor's reaction is that he was likely embarrassed that this journalist uh, called out a flaw in our system. And rather than accepting the information and the situation with a little bit of grace and uh, maybe some humility, he lashed out. And, uh, you know, to me, that reads as a a deeply troubling authoritarian response to uh, an issue that he clearly doesn't understand. Uh, Based on a series of tweets last week, it's pretty clear that Governor Parson and his administration don't actually understand what the security vulnerability actually entailed, how it happened, and how easy it um, could potentially be to rectify it and uh, move on from this. So instead, he's blown this up into a media story, and uh, he's threatening journalists. And, And how does this reaction reflect Missouri's preparedness on vulnerabilities like this? Unfortunately, Things like this can often put a target on an organization's back uh, if if vulnerabilities like this are found. I mean, who's to say that hackers aren't actually looking for more vulnerabilities in our state agencies right now based on this one incident? I certainly hope that's not the case, and I certainly hope that our state's cybersecurity is uh, able to defend against any attacks that are are coming our way right now. But um, it does set a precedent and um, it makes me very concerned for the future of our cybersecurity. And what sort of precedent does this set for people who want to come forward with these proposed vulnerabilities? You know, does it set one? Will people decide just not to report any incidents they find if they see this is how the response is? Absolutely. I think that the governor's actions dissuade others from coming forward if they find troubling breaches in our security infrastructure. You know, um, I'm I'm concerned that not only did the governor uh, lash out against this individual, but uh, I'm not certain, I haven't heard anything about the administration um, notifying teachers ahead of time or providing any kind of identity uh, theft protection uh, for these individuals. Um, You know, mature organizations in the security world have what they call bug bounties, where they literally pay people to find vulnerabilities like this. And, you know, if Missouri can't treat these vulnerabilities the same way as a mature uh, and secure organization does, um, you know, I think that leaves us vulnerable. Do you think this recent incident will maybe spark or cause inspiration for legislation this upcoming session on this topic? I certainly hope so. Uh, It's definitely on my radar. I believe that cybersecurity is going to continue to be on my radar uh, as long as I serve in the legislature. And um, I hope that we can continue working across the aisle and um, creating policies that make our state more secure. We need to take a quick break. But when we return, we're talking about the upcoming session. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio. And we're back on Politically Speaking. Again, I'm Sarah Kellogg speaking from Jefferson City. And joining me is first-time guest, Representative Ashley Ani. So, Representative Ani, the 2022 session is about two and a half months away. Who's counting? (laughs) Uh, What are some of your expectations for this session? Well, I can tell you that I'm counting. And, uh, you know, I really do think that redistricting and the fact that there are so many legislators running for higher office, I think that those two things are going to really overshadow the session. Uh, And, you know, I'm not 
confident we're going to get a whole lot of uh, good policy or any policy passed this year. Um, I really do think that these two um, issues are going to be front and center. The legislature is going into 2022 with some big items that they need to accomplish, you know, including redistricting, including the appropriation of American Rescue Plan Act funding. You know, what is the plan for accomplishing this? Do you think maybe having a special session or two on these topics would have been a better decision? I do. And I and I, you know, I'm not certain that we won't end up having several special sessions next year because of the inactivity during regular session. Um, You know, I think that there are some big issues that I really, truly hope that the legislature can come together on and pass. Um, And there are some other issues that I know uh, some of my colleagues are really passionate about that I hope don't move anywhere. So, yeah. So what are some bill trends or topics that you're expecting to see? You know, these could be bills that Democrats are supporting or bills that don't have Democrat support. Yeah. Um, You know, the things that we're hearing most about, honestly, are uh, the wedge issues and the issues that I believe that candidates are going to want to grandstand a little bit on. Um, You know, some of those uh, include voting restrictions that they tried to pass last year, including voter ID and initiative petition reform, um, abortion access, uh, trans issues. Um, I anticipate, uh, you know, anti-vax and, and mask mandate legislation, as well as some critical race theory legislation as well, and, and legislation that affects uh, funding for public schools. And, and kind of how... You know, how do you expect those conversations to go? Do you see much success with some of those topics? You know, I know they don't necessarily have Democratic support, but do you see a lot of success? Because some of them are still not a guarantee to pass. Right. Right. Well, we've successfully uh, in this last session, we successfully defended against um, the voting legislation, um, the trans athlete bans, um, a lot of the, um, you know, anti uh, public school legislation that came down. So, you know, I I do have a lot of faith in um, our very small but mighty super minority um, in terms of our ability to push back on some of these bigger issues again in the session. Uh, But, you know, we'll see. Uh, It's it's not going to it's not going to be easy. And though Democrats are in the minority party, you know, there have been times where the caucus has played a role in passing major legislation. And, you know, the biggest one I can think of right now is the gas tax hike. You know, do you see that happening this session? Where And if so, where do you see this happening, maybe bill-wise? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so proud that the Democrats helped with um, – you know, making sure the gas tax passed. And um, in addition to that, PDMP uh, got across the finish line with the help of Democrats this year as well. So, uh, you know, this upcoming session, I I really hope uh, our budget conversations uh, end up a little bit more bipartisan than they did this year. And we're able to come to some, uh, some consensus on where Missouri's dollars should be spent. Um, you know, I, I have heard some promising um, conversations uh, during our veto session about um, appropriating funds for uh, renewing the Missouri RX program, um, things like that. I genuinely believe that Missouri could use. And so, you know, hopefully, um, whether it's in the budget process or it's um, other big ticket bipartisan um, issues, um, I'm hoping that we see some consensus in the legislature. What are some of your own priorities going into next session? You know, what are you wanting to accomplish specifically, whether that be bill wise or, you know, just kind of uh, 
either helping or or delaying legislation? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll, like I said, I'll continue to focus on cybersecurity and our state's uh, technical and and um, and critical infrastructure. No bills have been formulated yet, but um, it's definitely top of mind. Um, one one issue that I pushed pretty far in the legislature last year that I'm really proud of and I'm going to take up again this year is uh, protecting parents with medical cannabis prescriptions from discrimination in family courts. Um, we're seeing judges still discriminating um, in terms of uh, custody arrangements. Uh, for parents who have a legal prescription to use uh, medical marijuana. And um, I partnered with uh, Representative Ron Hicks last year on a, one of his pieces of legislation that was similar. Um, and we got our bill um, language amended onto a House bill that ended up in the Senate and it died in the Senate. But we were really proud of how far it got. So we're going to try again this year. Um, and then, you know, I also I'm really passionate about ending gun violence in our state. And so I will uh, continue pushing the legislature to recognize the gun violence problem we have in Missouri. Um, and I have uh, filed a bill and I'll continue to file a bill to establish the uh, Joint Committee on Gun Violence uh, in our legislature. Um, and, you know, my other biggest priority in the legislature is making stuff less bad. So I love committee work. I love watching um, other people's committees, <laughs> other committee hearings, um, and, and really uh, understanding the legislation that's coming, coming through our legislature so that I can work uh, offline with the bill handlers um, to, you know, maybe adjust some language or add a phrase or, or something that will make things less terrible or maybe even a little bit better to help Missourians. You know, and the commission that you managed to pass last year, you know, that was a bipartisan effort. Do you see opportunities for bipartisan cooperation coming up and kind of what would those topics be? Yeah, abs I absolutely do. You know, I think that one of the things that that is so difficult for Missourians, especially who are on my side of the aisle, uh, is, is that when you read the headlines, when you look at social media, uh, it would appear that we are more divided than ever um, in our legislature, and we are in some ways. Um, but we're all still human beings who go to a building and work together uh, for a common purpose. And we get to know each other and we are able to form um, relationships and friendships. And uh, from these friendships come policy ideas. And I really do think that there's a ton of opportunity. Um, I think that, you know, there are issues, especially with uh, issues like um, that affect families and children. You know, um, we passed a really fantastic um, piece of legislation that Representative Han Hannah Kelly championed uh, early on last session that um, that helped foster kids, um, you know, things like that where, I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue the value in helping children. And um, I think that that's that's one of the biggest areas that the legislature can focus on. Well, thank you so much, Representative Ani, for coming on the podcast to talk about both this ongoing story of cybersecurity and for giving us just a little bit of a sneak peek for the session ahead. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah K. Kellogg. Representative Ani, where can people find you where you want to be found on, on the World Wide Web? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please follow me on Twitter. It's Ashley for Mo, the number four. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my website is AshleyForMissouri.com, all spelled out. And uh, you can contact me through there. Do you have a TikTok yet? 
I do have a TikTok. I've posted three times and it terrifies me, but I'm going to keep going. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, until next time. So long. St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts.